How nice is that? Thank you so much for that. What a beautiful song and well played and and uh, probably exactly what I needed at this particular time in my life. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. I can hardly believe that it is Christmas Eve. I said to Nibby just a little while ago, I looked up at the clock, I said, I cannot believe it is 4.35 on Christmas Eve as we were preparing for this. What a whirlwind December this has been. But it is here. And we are here to celebrate and to worship the child that is born this night in a manger. I hope that this will be a truly meaningful time for each of you as we turn our thoughts to Christ. We will not be uh, pausing between each part of our service tonight, so if, if each participant will be in place and ready when your time comes, we would appreciate that. And I wish Christmas blessings upon each of you. May the joy of this night fill your hearts. Now let us stand and sing together, Away in a Manger. Many of us have Christmas traditions. One of ours was to read um, on Christmas Eve, Luke 2. So it is my privilege and my pleasure to read this with my family tonight. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was a descendant from the house and the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. 
While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in a band of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In the region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sydney. What a wonderful thing. There is a uh, reading that speaks of gifts to the Christ child. In part, it says, if I, was a, if I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? I'll give him my heart. That, of course, is the most important thing that we can give to our Savior. Uh, That is what God wants most from us, our hearts. But one way that we demonstrate that God has our hearts is our generosity with our money and our possessions. So we want to offer you the opportunity tonight to bring your gift to the Christ child. Uh, there There is none that is too large. There is none that is too small. Uh, The manger is here before us, and what we would like to do is invite you to bring your gift, lay it in the manger as an offering to our God, to our Christ child, born tonight.
It is a true story, no matter how much it sounds like a fairy tale. A totally unsuspecting man literally stumbled across what was and still is the world's largest diamond. All 3,106 carats of it. It happened near a diamond mine in South Africa in 1905. But due to the immense value of this diamond, the authorities were posed with a huge security problem. How could they get this magnificent diamond back to their headquarters in London? Well, they solved their dilemma by placing some detectives on a steamboat. They placed the package in in the captain's safe and they guarded it all throughout the journey. However, this was merely a diversion. The stone that they placed on the ship was a fake, meant to attract the attention of anyone who might be interested in stealing it, while the actual diamond was sent to England in a plain old cardboard box through the mail. 105 stones were cut from this one diamond, known as the Cullinan Diamond. Two of the largest stones it produced were the the 530-carat Great Star of Africa and the 317-carat Cullinan II, both of which are part of the British crown jewels. Now, if you shop for jewelry this season, you know you probably know how expensive even one carat is. So just imagine a stone with 3,106 carats. Invaluable. And yet it was shipped through the mail in a plain cardboard box. What a beautiful analogy that is for what happened more than 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. The king of kings born in a lowly stable, lying in a feed trough for the animals. And who were there to pay pay homage to him first? Well, according to Luke, it was a lowly group of shepherds. So what's extraordinary about, about that? What's so extraordinary? Well, it's easy to romanticize shepherding. I mean, King David was a shepherd, and and we love Psalm 23 23 that talks about God as our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. But the truth of the matter is that shepherds were a despised class of people. Their work made it impossible for them to abide by the, the purity laws of Judaism. They were generally unclean, both physically and ceremonially, And they brought with them the odors that we associate with animals. They had no reliable access to bathing. And even worse, they were generally thought of as thieves. Nobody trusted them. And yet here they were attending the birth of the king of kings. There lay the babe in the manger sharing his birthplace with animals from the field and these shepherds his humble parents, unable to find refuge in a nearby inn. You see, Christ did not come into our world in the midst of wealth and power. Nor was he wrapped in fine linen and placed in a golden cradle like an exquisitely expensive diamond shipped in a plain cardboard box. 
Christ came into the world not to reign with power, but to bring into the world a kingdom of love and peace and good news. Especially good news for the poor and the hurting and the lost and the lonely and the grieving and the dying. So what are we to make of this beautiful story, this most beautiful story ever told? What are we to take with us as we leave this place to return to our homes this Christmas Eve? Well, first of all, Christmas reminds us that God's love is for the unlovely. We so glamorize the Christmas story, but you know what? There was nothing glamorous about giving birth in a stable. And there was nothing glamorous about shepherds. And that, of course, is the the whole point. God loves the unlovely. John Jacob Niles, the famous folk song authority, tells about a time when a small group of traveling evangelists set up their tents on the courthouse square in his town. They hung their wash on the Confederate monument and they preached on the square until the county commissioner asked them to move on and leave. But before they left, a thin, pale girl got up and sang a song that Niles had never heard before. I wonder as I wander out under the sky why Jesus our Savior did come forth to die for poor, lonely people like you and like I. I wonder as I wander out under the sky. Well, since he, he was a collector of folk songs and he had never heard this song before, Niles asked the girl, where did you hear that song? And she said, I don't remember. And he asked, is there more to it? And she said, no, I only know that, that one verse. And so Niles took that song, he elaborated on it and published it. And since then, that beautiful carol has blessed so many hearts. In its simplicity, it illustrates the feelings that all of us have at Christmas. But especially for the poor, the lonely, the hurting, and the grieving. Because Christmas reminds us of God's love for everyone, especially those who feel hard to love. And what the babe in Bethlehem says to us more loudly than anything else is, that God has become one of us. You see, God walked where we walk. God sympathizes with each of our situations. The actor Glenn Ford told a story about his involvement in the Vietnam War. He referred to a time when he, was, he and a number of other soldiers were struggling through the swamps of South Vietnam under enemy fire. And since he had just arrived a a day or two before, many of the men did not know that a well-known film star was in their midst. But after several hours of sloshing through the wetlands, a young private recognized the actor. And seeing the stunned look on his face, Ford assured the young man that, yes, indeed, he was the same Glenn Ford from all of those movies. And so the private smiled a mile-wide grin and said, well, Don't that just beat all? You're just one of us, ain't you? Well, that's how God came to us in Jesus. Just like one of us. But why did he come? Well, it was to show us a whole new way to live 
and to love. Back in the 1970s, there was a film called The Poseidon Adventure about an ocean liner that was completely overturned by a rogue wave. And the film tells about how the passengers made their way through the ship trying to escape before it sank. But the bizarre thing about this was that the Poseidon was completely upside down. What had been the top of the ship was now the bottom, and everything was upside down. Stairways were upside down. Doors were upside down. Tables were upside down. And the the giant Christmas tree was hanging upside down. It was a whole new world, and and all the actors in the film had to respond to a world that had been turned totally upside down. Well, folks, we may have a hard time accepting this, but Jesus came to turn the world of human values upside down. Because we live in a world that glorifies power and wealth. But Jesus called the poor and the powerless blessed. And he said that they are the ones who will inherit the the kingdom of God. And we live in a world that says that the best way to deal with our enemies is to crush them. But Jesus says that the best way to deal with our enemies is to love them and to make them our friends. We live in a world that tells us that the way to deal with people is to abuse them and use them and then move on. But Jesus tells us that we are to honor all people and respect them and always be there when they need you. And folks, if we have a hard time with these kind of values, then it may show just how far we are from the kingdom of God. Like an expensive diamond in a cardboard box, Jesus came to us to show us a world of love and peace and goodwill to all people, everyone. My friends, if you were to look inside the stable of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, you would not consider anything that you saw there particularly special. Some cattle, a donkey, some smelly shepherds, a young peasant couple with their newborn child. You might look and think, well, that's nice. Quaint little scene. But nothing of great significance. But oh, how wrong you would be. Why? Because this was a scene that could only be interpreted through the eyes of faith. You see, this was a baby sent by God. And because that little baby has come from God, we have come to realize, as humble as that scene may seem, it is the ultimate Christmas gift of all time. Emmanuel. God has come to be with us. And so my prayer for each of us tonight is this. Go to your homes this Christmas Eve and carry that very special gift of Christmas with you in your hearts. And also live them. Live it in your lives. Amen.
told the shepherds that I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Christ has come for all of us, each and every one of us, every single one of us. And though on this night we focus mainly on his birth, we must also recognize that he was born to die. And so we invite each of you to participate with us tonight as we remember that And as we commune with God and as we commune with one another, all are welcome at God's table and all are invited to partake of the bread and the cup of Christ. So come, let us adore him. 
We will begin, we will have the, uh, the, the bread and the cup here, and we'd like to begin at the back and have people to come down the middle aisles. There will be people on either side, deacons and myself on either side, to serve the bread. And if we will move to the side and dip, dip the bread into the, the cup, and then take that, that bread with the, with the, the juice that's intincted in the, in the bread and eat it as you take the body and the blood of Christ. If there are those who are unable to come forward or would prefer the traditional way, you can just stay where you are and we'll have deacons who will come to you and serve you at your seat. So we invite you now to come if our deacons will come to our place and prepare for the communion. The cup, the juice, the wine, representing the blood of Christ. I hope we will remember this night what Christ has done for each of us. I hope we will remember the sacrifice that he made, that he was born, and that he died for each of us. Would you come and let us adore the one who has come to us? Would you come and celebrate communion with God.
Each week we have been lighting a candle during Advent to represent our anticipation of the coming of our Lord. Each candle represents something different. And tonight we finally come to the culmination. We get to light the Christ candle. We've been anticipating the coming of Christ all through Advent. We've been looking forward to his birth, his coming that would usher in a new kingdom. And tonight we celebrate that. John tells us that Jesus came into the world and brought light to us. What a wonderful thing that is for each of us to, to, to glow in the light of Christ. We relish in that. And so join me in celebration tonight as we light the Christ candle. Christmas has come. Christ is here. Time to enjoy whatever the day has brought us. Time to reach out and show God's love to all of us around. We light this Christ candle because words can't adequately express that Christ is the light that banishes all darkness from our world and from our heart. Will you pray with me? Lord, who cast out our deepest darkest and lights our way to the future, we bring the gift of joy to despairing and warmth to cold world. Burn brightly in our hearts, our town, and our world today. Amen.
we lit the Christ candle a few moments ago, commemorating and celebrating the coming of Christ at Christmas time. And it is significant that we represent that advent of Christ through the lighting of a candle because John tells us that in Christ was life, and that life was the light of mankind. So you see, we who have placed our faith in this child have ourselves become children of God and recipients of God's light. But we are not to keep that light of Christ to ourselves. And so we are going to symbolically do something tonight to represent something that I hope that you do every single day. We're going to take the light that God has given to us through the Christ child and we are going to carry it out into the world. I will light my candle from the Christ candle tonight, representing the light that Jesus brought to each of us. And that small flame will be multiplied as it is passed from person to person, row to row. And as we leave this place tonight, I hope that each of us will take the light of Christ with us into the world that lives in darkness. Let us stand as we dismiss in prayer. 
May you exult in the joy of the Christ child whose birth we celebrate tonight. May you find the peace that you are looking for. May the Prince of Peace always rule in your life. May the love of God be with you. And may each of you be filled with the light of Christ, showing you the way to salvation, that you may know that light and share that light through your words, your deeds, and your love. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you.